0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. A few weeks ago I was in Yosemite in the high country up in the Tuolumne Meadows area. If any of you are familiar with it, it's quite beautiful. I've spent uh, many, many days and over the course of years up in the mountains, mostly in the Sierras, but in other places too. And I go back often. One thing I've noticed, I noticed this trip, and I've noticed over the years, is that there's something about being in the mountains. And it may not just be the mountains. For some people it may be the ocean or forests or whatever it is. But for me there's something about being in the mountains that tends to bring my mind into a certain state of expansiveness, quietude, peace, happiness, um, a place of completeness.
1: Um,
0: I've never had an identity crisis in the mountains. There's something about it. It could be just the expansive landscape or just the grandeur, the beauty Maybe it's the high-altitude air. Whatever it is, it seems to, to do that for me. And I, and I know many people report similar experiences. So it was great. Um, and I was reflecting on, you know, why aren't we like this all the time? Why do we, you know, it's not that we have to go to the mountains necessarily to feel good. I hope that's not the case but there's something about being there, and again, it's not for everyone all the time, but there tends to be a strong, let's just say a strong tendency. Even if you're having a hard time in life, and try it out, If, you, if uh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> you go there, and it just pulls your mind in a whole different place. Yeah. When I came back, I have a young son, a three-year-old, and he and I, just a few days after coming back, I took him to a swimming pool. There are two pools there. There's the main big pool where the adults swim, and there's a little corner roped off where the little kids can go. And then they have a separate pool just for the little toddlers. So we went there, and as soon as we showed up, some kid pooped in the pool. And they have a humorous name for it. They call it Code Brown, (laughs) which I thought was pretty funny. And of course, when that happens, everyone has to get out of the pool and they've got a special net where they get it out. And then the pool was closed. I think it was about an hour and a half. I'm sure it's mandated by state law. It's, the, it's however long it takes to make sure the chlorine's killed any pathogens. So, you know, you just can't go in the pool. It's just what happened. And it also happened, so we didn't even get into the pool. We just got there, got ready, that happened. And within just a few minutes, it happened also in the little kid's end of the adult pool. It just happened to You know, if you have little kids in a pool, it's going to, you know, this kind of thing's going to happen. So my son and I, it was fine. It was just what happened. He was perfectly happy to just go with what was happening. He wasn't disappointed or bummed out or He was happy to pretend that he was, you know, a monkey running around chasing me around. And it was great. I noticed there was a woman there complaining bitterly. I didn't even know her. She came up to me and was complaining. It seemed like she was just looking for anyone, complaining to the people running the pool. I don't know what she thought was supposed to happen or that they should do. Personally, I don't want to be back in the pool until it's been whatever, the hour and a half, right? You wouldn't want to go back in. And, and I don't think, you know, if she had thought it through, I don't know as so I'm making some assumptions about what was going on in her mind. I don't actually know. But, you know, probably if she had not been in a reactive mode, at least so it seemed, and thought it through, you think, well, she's not saying we don't want to let little kids come in the pool. And this sort of thing's going to happen. And this is how they should handle it. But instead she's just complaining bitterly. So it really struck me the difference of these two kinds of mind states. This expansive place of completeness that can come in the mountains. And a place that can be, and it just happened that my son and I were in a, were in a fine with in, when we were at the pool. And this, somebody else had a different reaction. People can have all different kinds of reactions. Just depending on how each of our minds happen to be. Uh, habituated or in, in Buddhist terminology we say the conditioning of our minds it's the habit of our minds right some schools of Buddhism will use language they'll talk about the our minds and and they'll say the natural state of our minds are more they'll use language similar to the way I was describing the experience of being in the mountains that's the natural state expansiveness, completeness, wholeness, not whole with an H, W-H, uh, completeness. And then there's just these obscurations that get in the way, but that's more of our natural state. That doesn't, isn't clear to me that that's the case. There's certainly a lot of love and happiness and joy and beautiful, wonderful people in the world. There's lots and lots of that and many, many people like that. And there's also a lot of difficulties and suffering and ugliness and horribleness in the world. There's a lot of both, right? As far as I'm able to detect, when I look around, um, the natural state to me seems to be that we're all we all all of our minds are conditioned in many many different ways whatever it is and unless we're bringing some kind of awareness to what's happening in any given moment if we tend to be caught up in what's happening or what i call being on automatic pilot that's when you're not mindful in a moment you're awake you're conscious but you're just caught in it. You're in what's ever happening. Um, however we respond or react or however, our, whatever our minds look like in any circumstance just depends on the particular situation that comes to us and how that meets the condition patterns of our minds. Right? So, using the example of the swimming pool, and I'm not claiming that you know I've never I'm, completely immune from ever being reactive to anything but in that case given what happened pool kid pooped can't go in we were happy that's how it landed someone else's mind same situation totally different response there may have been many other responses going on there that i just didn't know about it's no different than what was happening in the mountains there's an external uh, circumstances that tend to move the mind in a certain direction so one of the places that I would suggest we all may want to start paying attention to hopefully we are paying attention to is how our own minds work and as much as we can we don't wanna make a struggle about it but to the degree we can be awake and clear in the moment the first step in any kind of meditation or Dharma practice, I I would say, is knowing what's actually happening and coming to know how our minds work. If we want to start inclining our minds to more peace and happiness and well-being, if we're interested in living in a way where our hearts are uh, deeply, profoundly open in love and compassion... And rather than just being reactive rather than just being at the effect of you know when we don't get our way we get cranky and we do get our way gee everything seems great and that seems to be what runs us rather than just being at the which is which is okay as long as you're getting what you want right but some point a kid's gonna poop in the pool of your life (laughs) And, and you know, or whatever it's going to be, right? We all know this. So the whole, the whole dharma is asking us to start making these shifts instead of just being pulled around or at, at the effect of circumstances. You know, one of the cliches that's used, and it's a cliche because it's, it's deeply true, is inner peace. You know, you'll, the poster will say, come meditate to get inner peace. And inner peace is a peace that's not dependent or not as dependent on circumstances so we don't have to go to the mountains because really what happens is inside our own minds and hearts right I mean you could say on one level that the mountains or whatever it is for you did it for us and it's true because those are um, conditioning factors but it's our own minds
1: Right?
0: One of the things we start... And these, these are mind states, by the way, that come and go, right? They come and they go. This is good news. Well, it's good and bad news. The bad news is um, whatever you experience, it's not going to last. It's going to change. Good news is whatever you're experiencing is not going to last. It's going to change. You know, one of the... Uh, You keep hearing this um, with all the modern brain science. um, A lot of what's the term? Brain plasticity gets talked about a lot. I hear that just all over the place, right? And they're discovering that now that our brains aren't, our minds aren't, are malleable even at any time in our life, right? Well, that's looking one way to think of it. You know, the the Dharma's been saying this for twenty-five hundred years they didn't understand what's going on uh, uh, physiologically neurologically but we can shift the patterns of our minds if the pattern has been deeply habituated of course it's not going to be so easy to shift compared to patterns or habits that are not so strong in us that's pretty obvious so how are we what are we to do how are we to practice how can we apply this first of all I think it's important to to be uh, respectful of and acknowledge the important place for external conditions to influence our mind state right So it's not that you have have to sit in a room and meditate and have this sense of completeness in yourself and never go to the mountains. No, we should get there. Or again, whatever it is for you, maybe it's on your surfboard, or I don't know what it is. Right? There's something very healing about that. Um, It nourishes us. nurtures us it's 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 important to find those places right? and we want to also strengthen the these patterns the conditioning of our mind or in a way it's really heading more accurately it's it's freeing us from the conditioned patterns ultimately coming to a place that's not dependent on conditions so how are we to practice well if you hang around a place like this at IMC Mindfulness is talked about nonstop, right? Everything seems to be about mindfulness. I come at it from a little different place. Um, I think mindfulness is the is the starting point. Uh, I wouldn't call it the ending point. You can, it's fine to talk about all the different ways, but right Everything hinges on if you're talking about practice, how to, how to start to consciously apply Dharma teachings and incline the minds in new directions, it hinges upon our ability to be awake and know what's happening in a moment. So in the times when you're just caught up in what's ever going on, we just don't worry about that. Right? There's nothing to do. You're gone. Don't worry. Through formal practice, which we were all engaged here, as many of you know, I don't really know anyone here well. There's a few people here I know. But there's a few people here who I know have experienced that through formal practice when we step out of our normal routine, and even if it's just a few minutes or few moments, we close our eyes. We could be open eyes and we do some kind of formal practice, that strengthens our stability of mind. We say concentration, and it it strengthens our mindfulness and our clear knowing of what's happening in a moment. That carries through in our daily life more and more. Just through doing the practices more and more, even if you're not, just your natural state is more awake and knowing. You tend to be less caught up in things, less of the time, and more of the time. You just know what's happening in your mind. Then it's it's simple. We don't have to get stressed out. We don't have to make a struggle about our Dharma practice. We just, when we're aware of what's happening in our mind, that's an interesting place. During the times when there's some kind of difficulty, or suffering, or struggle, or... Maybe just what's going on in your heart and mind isn't what you want. Sometimes just knowing it is enough and, it can, and a letting go happens in a shift. So for example, um, I've often, many times coming here, I've said one of my aspirations uh, is to live in a way that uh, no one, no living being has ever shut out of my heart. Ever. That's a real aspiration I have. And so... When I'm, what's actually going on is something different. There's something cranky or unkind in the mind. Right? I don't have to beat myself up or yell at myself or make a problem. But knowing what's happening in the mind and knowing that, that that's not my aspiration, it's not my attention, it's not what I want my life to be about. Right? Sometimes seeing it is enough. Other times... I have to do something just the recognition isn't enough and maybe I consciously can I don't know how it happens but there's a shift that can happen and this is part of the art and skill that we learn you can learn to shift your mind state just come into that place is like I'll use I keep talking about like in the mountains or whatever it is for you just open the heart and the mind right there let go oftentimes that happens. Now for some people, many of us will will say, well how do you do that? This is just, this is what we're practicing, we're learning. I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know how to let go, how letting go happens, how a shift of states of consciousness happens, but I know it can happen and it does happen, right? So I don't know how. But every one of us, every single person here, and I can say this with confidence, even though there's no one here I know well, and I think most people here I don't know at all, we all can get pretty good at it. And you don't have to be any good at it to start. You don't have to have any skill at all. You don't have to be a good meditator. You can get caught over and over many, many times. Totally fine. We don't want to beat ourselves up. We don't want to make a problem. When you know what's happening, if just using those times the best you can, staying in touch with your intention or aspiration for your life, letting that be your guidepost, that's enough. You turn the mind. You try. But sometimes that's not enough and we need some more help. So first is the recognition. Okay, that didn't do it. Then I have to consciously try to turn the mind. That didn't do it. Okay. What are some other skillful means? It's just a matter of adding tools to our toolkit, adding skillful means to our repertoire. Repertoire. We want to. Oh, uh, here's something. If there's a person or a situation that's causing difficulty. So I can give you a perfect example on my blog. I live in a in the East Bay. And um there's a lot of you know this political season there's all kinds of signs in people's yards and everybody seems to be fairly similarly aligned politically I won't say what it is because I don't want to uh, I'm in, in this room you know we're not all liberals <laughs> people think all Dharma no so the example I'm about to use isn't about whose politics are right or wrong so I happen to be a liberal I, I don't e- uh, even say progressive I'm a liberal <laughs> However, I'm very respectful of conservatives. It's, a, it's just a different perspective. I don't share it. So in the examples I'm about to use, if you happen to be a conservative, you just, you know, if I say whatever, Barbara Boxer, you throw in, you know, Fiorina or something. Or if I say Jerry Brown, you, you just flip it. Or it'll work. It's not about the politics. It's about the way my mind works. So, someone on the street has... <coughs> A political sign that just went up. And we're all shocked <laughs> to find what this person's politics is. I didn't see it. My wife, who's a long time Dharma practitioner, lo- many long retreats. I mean, you know, when she's done all this meta practice, where, you know, her heart's. O- I mean, <laughs> no, really, she came, she, you know, I remember one retreat, she was like on a four and a half month. Meta, loving-kindness retreat. she come back. I mean, she was just in this profound state. Comes home two days ago. <laughs> and I, she said something. It was pretty unkind. I don't remember what it was. Like, I hope they, and I forgot what it was, but it was kind of, I just thought, you know, well, so we, you know, She's, she kindly reminds me of the times when I get caught and I kindly reminded her that I don't think that's in, in alignment with your highest aspiration. <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> that's when it's important to to stay connected with our intention, the times when we don't care. When you don't want to, when you really do want to go down and like rip up their sign or whatever it is. That's the feeling or whatever. I just put, you know. That's the time when it's like, no, what's my aspiration? So You have to find out what your intention and aspiration is, but just using my example, no being shut out of my heart. Oh, yeah. That's them. And of course, that's, that's a mild example. There's many, many stronger examples, right? Well, maybe it's too much. It's too hard just to shift our consciousness then, but, but we get better and better at doing that. Another thing we can try is take our attention away from whatever the object is that's causing the difficulty and turn the mind towards whatever it is that brings, like head up to the mountains or, or whatever it is that puts us in an in a open-hearted state or a place of peace or calm or clarity. You know, it may be that you just go outside on a beautiful day and you just take in the sunshine if, if you're having a day like that or if there's a beautiful plant or it could be anything that you're consciously turning your mind toward. A book, a recording, a memory. That can, and so you need, if you don't know what that is, we may need to investigate a little to find what are those things that will support us. Let the mind be conscious of opening into that state of mind and then from that state now now turn to what was a difficult object, right? So, using the example of the mountains, you know, what w- I wonder how my wife would feel about our neighbor if she brought it to mind when she's up at 10,000 feet uh, and the mines expansive and beautiful. Maybe a different experience. So sometimes we need to, you know, step out of the, it. Maybe in the direct having the direct confrontation with what is. The difficulty may be too much, so that that's another skillful means. It's all a matter. What it really comes down to is being clear about our intentions. So this is something I hope everyone will spend some time getting in touch with in your own life. Perhaps you have. I'm sure many of you have. What is your intention for your life? When you do that exercise, though, you may want to also reflect on what's informing your intentions. And I say that because um, about a year ago I I came across an old list I had made of of all the things I wanted to accomplish in my life. It was my intention for life. It it came from when I was in my early 20s. I think it was one of these self-help tapes or videos that, you know, you can create your life whatever, and I thought, well, that sounds good to me. So I, I kind of listed out, well, what would my life look like, my dream life, and then you're to consciously kind of what, you know head in those directions. And then I forgot about the list, and um, it was just gone, and I just happened to be cleaning through some old files, and there was the list, and I pulled it out. And um, some of the things had happened. Some hadn't. But what I noticed was I didn't care about the list anymore. When I looked on the list, like one of them is when I, this what I'm about to say is um, way a long time ago in my younger days, (laughs) my brother and I had a bench press competition going. I wanted to outbench my brother. That's all I cared about. I didn't even care how much it was. I wanted to outbench my brother. I was on the list. (laughs) I don't even know if it even happened. I just don't care, right? It was what I wanted, kind of relationship, kind of money situation, bench press my brother, all this stuff. (laughs) What I noticed was everything on my list was something about outer circumstances, which is fine. I I hope we're all tending to taking care of ourselves and our outer circumstances the best we can. I'm not suggesting we throw that away. Of course we want to care for ourselves and take care of our lives. In all its meanings and manifestations. But my point is there was nothing in there about the inner status of my my heart and mind. And as I look back, I still care about my circumstances, right? I'm not, you know, I don't want to, you know, be struggling to find food and I don't want to have poor health and, you know, you want to have your life work. Of course we do. And along with that, I've noticed for myself that what what really matters to me, it's all inner qualities more and more. I said, for example, this aspiration about living in a way where no beings are set on my heart. That's really love and compassion. And qualities of wakefulness, clarity, non-reactivity, wisdom. All these, enlightenment. That's kind of a loaded word. and has different connotations for different people, but I like the word. So when you're connecting with your own intention and aspiration for your own life, we want to reflect on, you know, well, what do you really want your life to be about in the deepest and highest sense? I mean, what's it really all about? You know, I'm being a little humorous, but it really was on my list, you know, this thing of outbench pressing my brother. That was something I wanted. But it wasn't really what I wanted my life to be about in the highest or deepest sense. And by the way, uh, back in those days, I did actually have a number how much I wanted to bench. I did reach that goal. I was no happier than, than before. It felt the same. I just checked the check off the box or whatever. Once we get clear about our intention and aspirations, the more we can be awake and clear about what's actually going on in our minds, the more then we can map that, how does that, Align with our intentions and our aspirations and when it's out that's our guidepost or our if you will and we need to be clearly connected with it especially in the times when it's not easy when we really don't feel loving you know when you want to that's fine and of course we want to do that and when we don't want to it's a different ball game is there a way to shift our States of the mind and the heart that's not being inauthentic or fake. But that's in alignment with our deepest aspirations. And it's really a question of, it's, it's an ever deepening, it's a progression. It's a, really a gradual awakening that happens. Right. So for those of you who, who especially long time practitioners, you know this in your own practice, in your own life. Things shift. I think I'll stop there so we can have some time. If anyone has any, um, we have a few minutes if anyone has any, if you have questions, that's fine, or a comment. And I can keep going too. if. if uh. yeah. Yes.
1: Good example. How how do you uh, turn things on? So um, at the place that you are not wanting to let go and uh, embrace your higher aspiration, being right feels like the only thing you want to be. Right. Sure. what practices get you prepared for more, the, the greater potential of release in those moments?
0: Well, I would say two things. What gets us prepared, and then I want to say something more about what to do in that time. What gets us prepared is all the things we're doing. You know, if you did nothing but sit quietly and, and practice mindfulness of breathing, for example, or uh, thus many other ways to practice, that's preparation. Anything that strengthens the qualities of—I call it undistractedness the, or steadiness of mind—so we're more, not just, we're, we're more present, we're more mindful, and we're more clearly aware, moment to moment. And that's what these meditation practices are doing. Any th- practices that open the heart, quiet the mind, and open the heart—that's the preparation. And then, at least, we have some. Um, resources to bring with us that, that come in with us when we meet these difficult situations right but there's more than that in the preparation too there is also um, every time we we act in a way that's unkind or unskillful it's a great opportunity and if we can hold it with that attitude it will serve us very well by definition, until we're all Buddhas ourselves, there's places in the mind of greed, hatred, and delusion. So we're not doing anything wrong. It's just how it is. Right? And every time that happens in the mind, if we can open to it, it's our teacher. That person who put their sign in, in my neighbor, that's my teacher. That's my wife's teacher. Right? The person who, whatever the story is or the situation, we've all got them, that's our teacher. If we have a particular aspiration and we're clear about our intention for our lives. Even if we feel like we fall short, you know, 99 times out of 100, that doesn't matter. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We just know, okay, there's more work to be done. We've spent our whole lives heading in a certain direction, and that's strengthened a certain habit of mind. And so when we start to shift... I'm not saying for you it's just a start, maybe you've been doing this work for a long time, but you know, it, it, like any habit, it can take work to change, right? So the more times we spend reflecting in these ways, we come to know the liability, or if you will, the suffering in being right. Connecting with the suffering of a situation, because there's some payoff there in the mind if it doesn't want to let go. You know, if you have a hot coal burning in your hand, nobody has to tell you, drop it. <laughs> You feel the suffering. Sometimes there's situations that's actually causing suffering, but there's a place in the mind, it's, it either doesn't get it, or something's not ready to let go. It could be, and what I'm about to say, I don't say to everyone, I realize this is, a, is a, a general audience here, so this is not for everyone, but for the right person, turning into the suffering. You don't go look for suffering, but when it's there, let it feel the suffering of a contracted mind. Connect with that aspect of it it doesn 't feel that great, you know when you 're up in ten thousand feet or whatever, and the mind 's peaceful and complete there's not it, there, maybe there 's not a lot going on it 's a place of quietness, but it feels great when we 're in a battle say i, I, I'm, I again I, I understand this I may not be mapping exactly on how you what you mean, but in general, there can be a payoff there that something wants to do it that's the time when we really have to have our, a strong connection with our intention. We have to remember that when the intensity of the moment subsides, my attitude may be quite different in this situation. The time when I remember, oh yes, to live in a way, whatever, where no being shut out of my heart. Even if, what you, even if you have to say something to someone that can be quite difficult, can we do it in a way where the, where the heart's just open in love and compassion? That's a big, it's a koan. It's a big question. It's this great experiment that we're all engaged in. So it's this willingness to see all of these situations as our teacher. In order to do that, we have to not be sucked in and caught up in things. We have to have this mindful awareness in a given moment. Especially when the experience is not of, of this situation or person being a teacher. It's of, you know, I just want to let them have it. So through time, I, over time in practice, I think these shifts can start to happen. And, and we can find that even when it's quite difficult, we can at least know enough to break the contact if, if we have a choice. Sometimes we don't go do what we need to do to get, bring the energy down so even if if we can't let it go in our minds right away we can process and then and get ourselves in a it may take 2 days or whatever and then when we're in a good space come back and meet the situation okay yeah. yes
1: First of all, thank you for a great talk. I really appreciate a lot of um, what you said. And then um, I don't know if it's so much a question or maybe just a comment. I have the same experience in the mountains and by the ocean. And sometimes in those moments, I also, I, I have to wonder, do the people who live here, <laughs> you know, like the, the rangers who work in Yosemite, at, they've got to get crabby sometimes. Because <laughs> just won't put their food away in the bear lockers or... Whatever, like, do they just have that grandeur, though, to maybe just bring them out of it more quickly or more frequently? Well, maybe so,
0: but I would just say um, you don't have to answer its rhetorical question. But So obviously, whether it's the ocean or the mountains, you've had this experience. I assume you've been there a certain amount of time. Have you ever felt crabby in the mountains? I have.
1: <laughs> Twelve hours on the way to Tahoe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've,
0: I've been on long backpacking trips where my wife and I were just in these ecstatic places, and then later that day we're, we're having an argument because of some stupid little whatever because we we're tired and whatever. So it's not that we're going to perfectly enter the space but I, really the point of that is is that I think it, it has a tendency to... It ha- it's a conditioning factor but it, con- it, it combines with all the other conditioning factors in a given moment which may be we're tired now or we're hungry or our blood sugar's low or all the other things that happen in addition to the beauty of being in the mountains and then there's a net result that comes out. So, okay. One more and then we'll we'll end. Yes.
1: Hi. Uh, Recently I had a thought come to me that I had heard before but it came back and tonight you kind of named it, you know, you said that's an aspiration for you. But when I looked at this thing, it it sort of turned itself around. And what it was, we've all heard it. It's the expression, uh, it's not about me. And then when I look at that, what comes up for me is fear. It's like giving a little bit, giving myself up, giving me up. It's almost like that's too much, I I can't do that. And, And yet I know somewhere That I might be wrong. (laughs)
0: What's what's? Can we just pause for a moment? Can Can I I ask you what's the fear
1: of uh, uh, similar to uh, dying, not being me? If I could make it happen, first of all, I don't think I can make what happen. um, Living a life that's completely not about me
0: what would that look like? I, that's what I... I mean, for example, because obviously that right. phrase resonates for you in certain circumstances. Right. But, However, I just want to s- s- say that depending on what you mean by that, mm-hmm. for example, taking care of oneself right, because eating, this is what I need...
1: Yeah, eating. Yeah. ...is in other about words, you. Yeah, I, I recognize that I... No, no way could I push that to limit because... Uh, t- t- to survive, yeah. it, it has to be somewhat about yeah. me. But it, so that it looked too idealistic yeah. to so lead a I, life that's not about me.
0: So maybe can I offer something yeah. here? And I, yeah, I don't, that's why I'm, I'm not is. trying to tell you what your phrase should be. Or, but I just want to offer a different perspective. Try it on and you can see. Um, and I think it could get you to the same thing without the downside Instead of the it's not about me, which, which is sort of a negation, you could, so for some of us that negation will work, you could shift it into an affirmation of what would life look like and you don't have to worry about taking it to the ultimate. We just are inclining ourselves in a direction. We don't want to set ourselves up for failure. We just want to know the way we're heading and then we're at wherever we're at, and everything's our teacher, and there's no problem, right? Even when we screw up, it's just showing us something about our hearts and minds. What if the and the positive was? What would life look like from a place of a, a peaceful heart and mind? Just something very simple in any situation. It doesn't have to be about you, not about you. Just what would that be if your heart and mind are are, are, are peace? Then. It can be about you, not about you, but it's it's I don't know it's just a different something just I don't know okay, so thank you all. Um, well, we have two minutes to end, so we'll end on time and maybe literally just a two minute well, it's gonna be a short <laughs> so. Um, I invite you to take a few moments if you're not already doing so mindfully just connecting in to the experience in your body might, your body might feel good it might be tired it might be achy from sitting for so long if you need to shift around that's perfectly fine just connecting with your body connecting with what's going on in your mind in the states of your heart And noticing how you're relating to your experience now. See if there can be a a place of sort of allowing or letting be. So we're connected with our experience, but we're not making a problem. You know, you may, maybe, for example, tonight in the talk or the discussion, maybe some things you liked, maybe some things you didn't like. You might be having a pleasant or unpleasant. Or sometimes it's kind of in between. We call that neutral. So Just knowing what's happening and how you're relating to it. If you're finding some place of struggle, seeing if you can kind of let go or soften around that. And if whatever's going, for, for whatever's going on, you're not able to let go of some struggle around it, then bring some acceptance for that place in you. That's how it is for you right now. And then we'll end with what's traditionally called a dedication of merit. What I mean when I say merit is all the good energy or good qualities that we've cultivated together. And we recognize that, first of all, that it's not possible to to do Dharma practice for yourself alone. You just can't. When we practice in ways that help open our own hearts, quiet our own minds, live in a way that's more wise and skillful. Of course it benefits us, but it is a benefit of everyone we come in contact with. <clears throat> so you literally cannot practice for yourself alone. It's not possible. So we can make that more conscious and that's this offering of this merit. So we can say, and I'll use some words, it can be a felt sense or you can use your own words. For all, the, all this good energy, goodness, good qualities wholesome qualities for all this merit that's been cultivated by our time together this evening. And we have all used our time together wisely this evening. Let us consciously offer it up. May it be for the benefit and liberation of all beings. May all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful. And may all beings come to an end of suffering So thank you all. It was nice to hang out with you and practice together.
1: Have a good rest of your evening.